0: Hi, everyone. This is Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Everything is Football. Don't go away.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm Daniel Allers, along with Nick Hawkins, and welcome to an exciting EIF podcast. Today, we are joined by Portland Timbers forward, Jeremy Ebobisi. Jeremy grew up in the Washington, D.C. area, where he consistently rode the bench to EIF's own playmakers, Mark, Nick, and myself. After starring for Bethesda only, Jeremy went on to play two seasons for the Duke Blue Devils and then was selected fourth overall in the 2017 MLS draft to the Portland Timbers. Ebo was also a vital member to the U.S. Under-20 team that recently clinched a place in the Under-20 World Cup this summer. Thank you for coming on, Jeremy. Yeah, glad to be here. So first off, um, we're going to talk about your involvement in the uh, U.S. Under-20 team. Uh, your mom is from Madagascar, your dad is from Cameroon, you were born in France. Did you always envision playing for the U.S.?
0: Uh, to be honest, no, I didn't. When I guess when I first really started watching soccer in the 2006 World Cup, uh, France was my team, and I was very, very passionate about France. And then slowly, as I started growing up and becoming more ingrained in the American culture, uh, I slowly started to kind of tip that scale towards the U.S. And and then uh, I would say when I turned 15, some opportunities came around to represent the U.S., and that's when everything really started to kind of accelerate and, and tip the scale in favor of the U.S. But uh, by the time I was 18 and through now, uh, I really feel like I'm an American. I got my American citizenship, and playing for the U.S. is something that I really treasure. So as of now, I'll never see myself playing for another country. (laughs)
1: Uh I remember uh, watching the 2006 final with you in Deep Creek. And uh, that was uh, fun to be next to you when Zidane headbutted the Italian. Um, Moving on. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So... One of your teammates, Jonathan Klinsman, obviously the son of Jurgen Klinsman. Um, does Jurgen ever just come down to the practices, or does he keep his distance?
0: I think he he, he was pretty integrated in the team. Uh, him, I know him and our head coach, Tap, have a, a good relationship, and they work together on the senior team. So uh, there's that kind of vertical integration where uh, the head coach of the senior team would kind of keep a close tab on the younger teams. Um, I've seen him at our tournaments, notably in the summer when we won the NTC tournament against Japan, Panama, and Costa Rica. He was there, and he spoke with us before game. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see him around. He's always supporting his son, uh, and sometimes when he gets the opportunity, he'll talk to us as well.
2: Yeah, and, and being in the, um, the under-20 setup for the U.S. national team you get the chance to play with a lot of a lot of other rookies in the MLS, a lot of people who you know are, are young prospects who have a lot of talent but may not necessarily be household names yet, um, you know, and it may not be as as well established as the players for the senior team, obviously. So, I'm curious to know, Jeremy, which of your teammates at the U.S. U20 na- the U20 national team impressed you the most?
0: That's that's a tough one. Just because I think everyone uh, had their moments. A lot of people had really consistent tournaments as well, and have been really consistent throughout the cycle. I think uh, the player I've been most impressed with, the two players I've been most impressed with, have been uh, Tyler Adams and Justin Glad. Tyler being two years younger than uh, us and having his own cycle two years from now really stepped into his team in December, very late in the cycle, and imposed himself as one of the leaders. And even though he's one of the youngest guys, we all respect him as a leader on our team and someone who's going to be like a, an engine force in the midfield. And his performances speak for themselves. I know he just had his first start of the season with Red Bulls, and he had a really good game there. And I think it's going to be a really big year for him. And then Justin, uh, he's starting to become more of a household name at least in in the Salt Lake area, but started basically every game last season for RSL and put in some good performances. And I think that along with Tommy and the rest of our back line, they were shut down at the 20 championship. But I think that he was really important in that. And I'm excited to see how he how he moves on.
2: Yeah, those are definitely two names that I've heard brought up a lot as well recently. And, you know, having the opportunity to play with the U 20 side is definitely a great opportunity because, you know, you get that international experience under your belt. Obviously, you guys won the, the, the competition, so it, was, it must have been fantastic to get that kind of experience and to have a trophy under your belt now. And, you know, a lot of those guys are going through the same thing you are. They're rookies in the MLS. They went through the draft together. And I actually wanted to ask about the draft. Uh, What was your draft day experience like? Did you have contact with teams before and were expecting to go somewhere? Like, did the Timbers reach out to you? Did you know ahead of time that they were going to select you? Um, Did you have a speech written ahead of time or did you just kind of go up there and say what came to mind? Take us through what was going through your head.
0: Yeah, the draft was a surreal moment. I mean... I I felt as if my, I was outside of my body, like looking on from above. It was honestly the most unreal experience I've ever had in my life. And I don't know if there are going to be many moments that top that. Just from, I'd say there was a lot of nerves and emotions leading into the day. Um, but in that, I knew that it was out of my control where I went. Uh, I had met with, I'd say, half of the MLS. Uh, in individual meetings. That's kind of what the Combine's about. It's playing games and meeting with teams. Mm. So you know, I tried to play out different scenarios in my head, but at the end of the day, I really had no idea where I was going. My agents didn't really know. um, And everything was pretty much up in the air until the first team was on the clock. So from then, I mean, we definitely, once I found my friends down at the bus and at the convention center, we definitely found some sort of calmness just being amongst each other and let the nerves kinda of cool down and from there once we got into the convention hall it was just uh it was a circus in there and all the fans chanting loud so loudly and you know, just trying to take everything in and, and it was it was really special. So um in regards to my speech, I had a few talking points. We had a, a media training the night before the draft. Um I had a few talking points prepared. I thought that I didn't really, I didn't really need to prepare a speech line by line, but once I kind of got up there, I froze by the amount of people that were in the room, but it went pretty well, and I think that for myself and for all the other draftees, we, we kind of had really special days.
2: Yeah, and of course, you were selected number four by Portland Timbers, and now... You, you were kind of kept away from the team a little bit by being away with the U-20 side, but now that you've had the chance to kind of get some training in, you know, get to play with your teammates, what is has there been a noticeable difference between the level of the MLS and the level of college where you played at Duke and the Charleston Battery team as well? What's been the difference so far? I
0: think the biggest difference is the talent level. Uh, between college and uh, Charleston and Timbers, I think each team along the ladder had more talent than the in the previous team. Um, I think the structure of our practices as well uh, with the Timbers are very very structured and to make sure that we're working as hard as we possibly can without putting ourselves in in danger of injuries. So well, that's something extremely professional about the club that I've come to appreciate. Um yeah, I just think that every, every professional environment offers something different. Obviously, college isn't a professional environment, and that's why I felt like I needed to kind of leave early. I felt that I needed to be challenged by some older, more experienced, more talented players. But, I mean, I look back on my time at Duke with nothing but smiles, and I wouldn't have changed my decision if I had another chance.
1: Do you think that playing for the Charleston Battery helped you um,
0: with the transition to the MLS? I definitely think it helped me. Um, Just being one of the young guys in the locker room, it was nice to have that experience in Charleston for the first time, playing against professional teams in the USL. So I've got some experience in the USL now, which is obviously a step up from college, maybe not quite the MLS yet either. Um, It's a little bit of a shame that I was only there for six weeks. It would have been nice to have had, uh, six months or a full season under me uh, with Charleston. But at the same time, the stuff that I learned there, just the the way training was run and, and the emphasis on certain parts of my game that I worked on there, uh, I think provided me with a springboard to kind of push on my MLS career. Mm-hmm,
1: definitely. And uh, now you're playing with the likes of Darlington Nagby, uh, Blanco, Valeri, and uh, my man David Guzman. Um <laughs> In your limited time training with them, what have what do you expect to, to learn from them? And uh, have they kind of taken you under their arm?
0: Yeah, I think the older, more experienced guys know that for a rookie to come in with all these big names who have done so much in the league, they know that rookies are, are typically nervous, and they've all been extremely welcoming with open arms and and have tried to kind of teach me some some things that have made them successful in the league when, when appropriate. Um, you know, they're, they're all great people. They're all great players. And I'm lucky to be in a locker room with guys that really look after the, young, the younger players as well. The biggest thing I can learn from them is definitely uh, the decision-making part of the game. Um, I think what makes these players so special is that they don't rush. They don't rush to make decisions. But at the same time, they're not playing too slowly. They they read the game really well. Whether it's to dribble out of pressure, pass out of pressure, release someone on a through ball, they always seem to have the perfect uh, idea of what to do. And it, it looks really easy, but then when I try to replicate it, it's like I'm either playing too slow or too fast, or um, <laughs> I'm in a rush. You know, so it's it's those little things. Just understanding the game a little bit better, reading the game, and I think that. Especially the older guys, they, they really have that down and it's something that I enjoy watching often.
1: Uh-huh. And uh and what are your goals for this season? I know you have the US or you have the World Cup coming up in the summer. So you may have different goals in the beginning of the season than at the end. Uh but yeah, what are the goals for the season for you?
0: Well, having missed basically all of preseason, I was a little bit behind coming in and i think my most immediate goal right now which i've undertaken thus far is just to continue my integration within the team um get to know the guys on and off the field and while i'm on the field just assert my presence there and make sure that everyone knows that i'm ready to play um when called upon and then ultimate so with that um i'm going to be playing in some usl games with p2 that's going to be kind of my platform to push on and earn some first team minutes as well. Um, I don't really know how, what weekends I'm going to be playing with which team, but it's just an option to always play with B2 or to play with the first team. Um, So hopefully I'm going to make the World Cup team. You know, you can never really take anything for granted. There are always guys that are pushing themselves at different teams, whether MLS, USL, college, or Europe. And you never know who's in form at what time, who has a really good camp at what time. So, you know, some things out of my control. But I think that um, I hope I hope to make the World Cup team. And from there, I mean, our goal is to win the World Cup. We won Concacaf, and Concacaf is underrated in terms of how difficult it is to actually win it and just get through the World Cup. Um, So I think that having won, we showed a winning mentality and it mattered most, and I think that that's going to be something really important moving into the World Cup. And so we've got Ecuador, Senegal, and Saudi Arabia in our group, and I think that that's a, yeah that group has its challenges, but hopefully we get through it, and from there uh, we'll use the experiences of CONCACAF to kind of push us on to win the World Cup, and we have the talent to do it, there's no doubt. Regardless of whether I'm on the team or not, I think the U.S. are in a great position to win the World Cup. And then from there, I want to just get right back into the group as well with Timbers, and we have big goals as well with the Timbers. We want to win them left up. We started the season really, really well, and we just need to stay consistent, and hopefully I'm a good part of that.
1: Uh Uh-huh. You definitely have a plan, and uh, that's always good when you're wanting to to execute a plan. Um, We definitely want to see you on the field. We want to see you scoring goals and uh, representing the DMV well. Moving on to uh, to another topic that I know is very important to you. Um, so you have been very vocal on your social media about using your platform as a professional athlete to educate people about social inequality, about the political landscape right now. Um, at the same time, many athletes have been told to stick to sports. Why shouldn't athletes just stick to sports and why should they be vocal? You know, that's that's a tough
0: Tough question, but also, I, I don't really like to think stick to sports. We're as athletes, we're just we're people as well, you know, and and people have the right to speak their mind. I don't think that if athletes are just bringing awareness of certain topics that mean a lot to them, uh, I don't think that that should be scorned. I think that that should be respected, uh, if not applauded. And I mean, you know, you everyone puts different value on different people's words. Should athletes have the ultimate say and should athletes have such influence over what people think? Maybe not, because maybe we're not as well-versed in certain topics, but that, that shouldn't change the fact that we have the right to to speak our mind. And for me personally, uh, certain issues I feel if I'm not speaking about, I'm contributing to the problem because in not bringing trying to bring awareness to the subject, I'm essentially perpetuating the system to – stay the way it is, and I think that that's that's a huge problem. One, we can't bring change to something if no one knows what's going on. And because where I grew up, where you grew up as well, I know, Daniel, because we were in such nice areas and affluent cities, um, we don't experience a lot of these problems, and I think going to Duke and studying a bit more kind of opened my eyes to that. So, um, as long as Athletes aren't inciting violence or inciting any sort of hate. I don't see a problem with speaking their minds and stick to sports is just i don't like that phrase it's there's so much more to an athlete than his sport, and he doesn't have to be the perfect whatever your archetypal role model might be in in someone someone's mind Mhm, jeremy if
2: someone were to come up to you today and say that racial discrimination is not an issue in modern society, what would your response to that be?
0: Uh, you know, I, I would be really disappointed, for starters, uh, that someone could confidently say that racial discrimination wasn't an issue. I think that it's one thing to think about something and to have an opinion. And to keep it to yourself, and just because you're not sure about it, or or whatever, whatever it might be, but to be able to to come out and say it to whether it was to me or to someone else, that shows a certain degree of certainty in your mind. And and I'd be disappointed that someone could have that opinion, although I would have to respect that um, where that opinion came from. And in response to that, I would urge them to watch the 13th on Netflix. It's an extremely powerful, thought-provoking documentary about the criminal justice system, but also it links history from, I think, the 1860s through now, and it shows the correlation of how every time we take a step forward in terms of racial discrimination, we're also taking a step backwards. And I think that if that person's not willing to open their mind up to the other point of view, then there's nothing I can really do about it. Someone like me, there's nothing we can do about it. But if they watch that movie and understand that maybe it's biased and promoting an agenda, but if they can take some stuff out of that movie, I'm sure that that their previous point of view will at least be severely weakened in their in their mind. And I think that it will make them think about what, where they grew up, what they thought about, what they were taught, because it, it's really, you can't say there's no racial discrimination in this country at, at every level. So, you know, it, I'd be disappointed to hear someone say that.
2: Yeah, and I think that your point that athletes are people too is is extremely important and, and important to understand because, you know, if, if someone has an opinion there's no reason for them to be silenced based on who they are or what their profession is or anything like that. Yeah. And I was wondering, do these conversations ever make it into the locker room? And do you, do you have these types of conversations with your teammates? Or is it something that you kind of all process individually, uh, maybe respond to on social media for so that more people can see it? Or, or is, are these kind of conversations going on in private as well?
0: Fortunately I wasn't in a in a professional locker room really during I was at Charleston for a little bit during the election season, but I wasn't um that ingrained in the team because I wasn't there for so long. But mm-hmm. I do know that even in my short time there, every year and there someone would make a comment about the election, whether it was the primaries at the time or the general election. Um even here after the inauguration or around the inauguration of President Trump. Um, there have been there some people supporting and, and against him and just having friendly discussions, which is great because I think that it's really important to have these discussions because, as much as you might believe in one side, the other side has some truth to it as well. And if you just stick to your side and only fill yourself with people that think the same way, then you're just going to become even more and more ingrained in that ideology. And it's going to become that much harder for you to understand and uh, and relate to the other side. So I think having these across the conversations are extremely important. And so, yeah, I mean, there were, we had a couple of casual ones uh, in preseason, but nothing too serious. I think that everyone processes it individually, uh, processes it, processes it in their own way. Um, sometimes when when we're out off the field, but with this with our teammates, the talks might get a little bit deeper. Some guys are more interested in the subject than others.
1: Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I can relate to that, where the uh, where I grew up at Sidwell, which is an extremely liberal place, and then uh, coming to the Midwest to a state that voted red, um, it has opened me up to many different types of uh, views. And I think just understanding the other view is extremely important um, in trying to. To have good conversation about politics um, so I think that is it for today I wanted to thank you Jeremy for coming on the podcast yeah thanks for having me it's great time and uh, remember to follow us on Facebook at everything is football follow us on Twitter SoundCloud and Instagram at EIF soccer And yeah, thank you for listening. Bye bye. Get a room yourself, and your shoes ain't off the shelves. You straight out a magazine, feel things I ain't ever felt.
2: Yeah.